Welcome to Rehab Within Reach. We are your hosts, Dr. Chrissy Rankin, physical therapist and CrossFit Level 1 coach. And I'm Dr. Sarah Nelson, a physical therapist, and I'm board certified in women's health and lymphedema therapy, and I also hold a master's degree in orthopedic manual therapy. And I'm Dr. Shona Craig. I'm also a physical therapist, a board certified women's health clinical specialist, certified lymphedema therapist, and yoga teacher. We are a collective of women from various backgrounds who support each other and the community around us that have one thing in common, therapy solutions. This podcast will be addressing how the body, mind, and spirit work together to create our current state of being while offering a refreshing approach to how to create harmony within each system. Our treatment philosophy is to empower people through education by combating modern evidence-based practice with our innate primal wisdom in order to promote body literacy and compassion in your personal healing journey. Even though our professional background started in physical therapy, we take an integrative and holistic approach by addressing all systems of the body in order to bridge the gap between the current medical model in the United States and your ability to make autonomous decisions to achieve independence and wellness. This podcast is meant to challenge you to think in ways that may feel uncomfortable at first, but don't worry. Remember, our goal is to provide resources in order for you to make the best decisions for your well-being, which may go against what most of our society suggests is quote-unquote healthy or correct. As a reminder, this podcast does not replace the medical examination, assessment, and plan of care from a licensed medical provider who has seen you personally. Let's get started. Yeah, so we wanted to talk about mindsets, and we're talking about um, young women with breast cancer and, um, you know, how, boy, there's an example of how cancer is different in young people than it is in older people, just because of where we are and probably a lot of how we believe about things. Um, uh, so your, your question, do I see any um, specific mindsets? What brings to mind that question is, um, first of all, this book called Grace and Grit, by Ken Wilber. Do you remember that? Have we talked about it before? You know, the it so Ken Wilber is a Zen theologian and he married late in life and his wife very soon after they got married was diagnosed with breast cancer and um she lived 5 years but did die the disease. And um he took her journal and made it into a book and he filled in around with their with their story and one of the things early on was you know he he realized every provider they went to had a different viewpoint a different mindset about what caused the disease oh Oh my gosh yeah that reminds me of one time on our when we were more active on social media we had did a post about like neck pain or something um and I think each each one of us like responded with a different thing of like so like we I think the post was more muscoskeletal situation and then 
um, I was like learning how that the vagus nerve could be irritated there. And then one of you guys said like the diaphragms in the area and like someone else said something else. And I was like, oh man, like no wonder it gets so confusing out there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think for cancer survivors, it's like the, the first thing is there, there's, um, cancer's a big X factor. You can do everything right and still get cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I get passionate about that one. Like, well, and that's a mindset. Like I did something wrong. There's something I did wrong. I could change it. One of the most useful things for me when I, I, cause I, at one point had a, a large ovarian cyst, but they didn't know if it was cancer or not and went to the oncology surgeon and they said, well, you, you need to know upfront that you didn't do anything wrong. It was so, I'll never forget it, obviously. I mean, it's years ago and uh, so, such a useful statement to me. Um, yeah, I definitely like played with that mindset too. Can you hear me? Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, but then it, I just sort of relax into like, well, we all have bodies and we're all doing the best we can and mm-hmm. whatever comes up in our bodies in this life is like, um, what we're meant to go through and, then to see it as well, maybe I can work with this problem and it be I can come out stronger, or because I think there's like a you can be on both ends of the spectrum here of blaming either blaming yourself and thinking you did something wrong and like beating yourself up in that way, or saying or then the opposite of the spectrum is like, um, oh well, there's nothing I could have done to prevent this. Like, not it's not my fault. This is, you know, what, and there's nothing I can do to change it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like finding that middle ground of not having too much blame um, or pressure on yourself because that can lead to other negative outcomes in your stress level and body, but then also seeing it, bringing some positive light to it and saying, oh, this is my neck pain. It kind of sucks, but maybe I can work with this. Maybe I can listen to the pain and do something or think something different or believe something different that could help relieve and move on or move through this pain. Does that make sense? Yes. I actually been working with this idea this weekend. And again, it's around Ayurveda. You know, as I try to practice Ayurveda, there's a mindset. Um, What's underneath it are, is this, um, I, I said, it's like a barometer needle and on the one side of the barometer is dogma and the other is permissiveness. My scale is dessert. Like the dogma is you should never eat dessert. And the permissiveness is, ah, oh, let's just eat dessert every day twice. Right. <laughs> and the, you know, and the, the middle, you know, how do you get to that middle point with anything that you believe where, where it is supportive and, uh, effective, but not dogmatic or permissive. So I think, you know, what we need there is awareness of our, our thinking processes, um, self, that self-awareness, clarity, 
I, I was trying to decide what needs to be in that center. So I think the conversation about mindsets um, is important. And in fact, I was looking back in 2007, 2006, when I did the Managing the Difficult Patients class, um, I did a whole handout on um, what I called implied beliefs within within health models, you know, like these mindsets that drive our ourself on ourselves on what we think about our health, that, that it can change or not, for instance. Um, this brought up yeah. um, like some ideas too, like in the mindset world, in like Western culture, there seems to be a specific set of of characteristics that we all maybe subconsciously choose as a mindset over because we've been just conditioned and taught it both overtly and covertly for a very long time and one of them is um belief and there's only one right way um and so I feel like we when we talk about it because I feel like this topic comes up a lot um and we we constantly tell and preach and believe in ourselves too, that there is no one right way to do something. Um, and I have this like silly analogy, like of saying, you know, I'm a GPS as a medical provider, I'm the GPS and mm. you're the driver as the patient. And I'm going to give you five routes like Apple and Google does and then <laughs> pick which route you want to go because you of like your experiences and what way you like to go and all that kind of stuff. And at some point the GPS is going to give you updated information and it may be a route change because of traffic or an accident or whatever. And you can continue to say, Nope, I want to go on this path because I think it's going to be better option or you're like, okay, I want to change. So I like to say that in the beginning so that, people understand like there is no one way um another characteristic in that western culture that's kind of like all um in like that's kind of all festering is also like fear of open conflict so like we're kind of also taught like at a young age like and throughout our life like listen to the adults, listen to the experts, listen to people who have more authority over you and just conform, right? So then that kind of creates a mindset of like, I don't have a voice. I'm living a life that's not authentic to myself, but yet I want to conform, you know? Um, And then I'll talk about one more. Another one um, is... Uh, perfectionism as Mm. well so kind of going back to the idea and cancer and how you know some people who never drink a drop of alcohol in their life never smoke never do exercise every day and they still get cancer and then the other on the other side of the spectrum you know um, people maybe not take the best care of objectively of what health can be like um, and don't get cancer and live a full life. And so that perfectionism, we have this belief, like, if I'm perfect, then I will be rewarded, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so <laughs> when we see something that is against that 
idea, then it kind of shakes up our shakes up our belief system. Mm-hmm. And then unfortunately it could go because if we're not holding that idea softly in our hands and we're like squeezing the life out of it, then we can get bitter and angry and um, resentful. Um, and that doesn't, that is unhealthy as well too, objectively. Yeah. I was thinking I could re- definitely relate to all those, but the point about um, that, like being a people pleaser and a perfectionist and having to, and uh, the perception of wanting to do what other people tell us to do um, because they have the authority and they have the experience. I think that that's right. Like it then it almost teaches the person to not trust their instincts. Um, and then I think on the flip side, it's a nice reminder as healthcare practitioners to remember, like you're saying that we're just the guide. And ultimately if somebody chooses a different way that to sort of be like, okay, like that's your intuition and that's what you need to do. And that's great. And sort of to let go of our own desire to help and change people. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I think as PTs, we, I don't know, it's like a common thing. I felt that like uh, a frustration, I guess, if people don't do the things that I want that I want them to do to change their health. Um, but reminding myself that like, well, ultimately they have to listen to their gut and their intuition and do what's right for them and encouraging that. I think our model of delivery allows for room to question health beliefs and, and that unspokenly we, we have made it a really important part of how we give care to people. It, yeah. What both of you are describing is where you're stepping back and you're letting this person take charge of their journey through whatever's happening to them. Um, rather than a belief of there's something wrong, we're going to fix it. You go back to normal. And, and um, the, what it just kind of reword what you said, Shona is that, that, you know, things happen to you in life and you can use those things to, to grow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see that as your like life curriculum. <laughs> like you're going to have these hiccups and these pains and uh traumas and you just use that as fuel to get clearer, get closer to your inner voice, your true self. Um yeah, and then yeah, you're like you're not we're not going back to normal or back to how you were. You're creating I, I don't know. I see it as just you're getting closer to your, who you're meant to be. Um, and maybe that looks like a different person in the end. And that's, I think we have to hold space for people that if that happens, like there's a grieving process, right. Of, totally. yeah. of what my life looked like before and what, how I was as a person before and what my relations were relationships were before. And we have to grieve that process of change and it's, it doesn't look pretty <laughs> all the time. Right. Like, and we're allowed to be angry of like, why does I have to deal with all of this? You know, we have this kind of idea that like no one is also dealing with it, which is wrong. Like we, everyone is dealing with something and, yeah. And um and different very levels, right? I can't map and discount 
other people's experiences of what they believe is more difficult versus others. But um, I do just think that um, not only is it that grieving process, but knowing that change can happen. And because I remember growing up always thinking like, oh, when you hear about people who get divorced and they're like, well, people just change or, um, and I just like in my head, I'm like, how, like, that doesn't make any sense. Like people don't change, right? Like they, like you're supposed to change or, and if you change, like you change together or whatever. But in reality, yeah. like, that's just not, that's not correct. You know? Change is seen as a negative thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. they changed. Yeah. Like with a oh, negative God. connotation. Yeah. I remember so that. Like, oh, good for them. They changed. <laughs> so such a good, yeah, a good, um, good point i um i i had used the analogy i mean uh, it's a spiritual uh, analogy but of the death and resurrection um that 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 happens many times in our life that uh, you know to see that as symbolism and not just a, a historical event that happened to somebody back when but it's something that happens in our life over and over. Um, and there's a, you know, as these beliefs that we base our life on come up and are challenged, we have a chance to decide, is this working for me? Or is it is it something that I need to put aside now? It doesn't serve me. Um, I think of one growing up in my family, it was considered... Um, success to have a long life right and i it was mentioned a lot my dad would talk about wanting to live to be 100 his dad lived to 103 um and so i took that in to mean that it's a failure to die young <laughs> yeah um and when i started working with people with cancer i had to put that i had to bury that you know let it yeah. die and and, and then what came, what grew out of that was to realize that every day um, is a gift. I mean, that's so cheesy, but I only get today. And it's the only thing I can really count on. Make the best of it. Um, and it's, it's not failure to have a short life. I think of my former business partner's um, second child lived three days and oh, that little girl touched so many lives mm. and still does. You know, mm. that's beautiful. It, yeah, it does. You know, when I live in that space, there's, there's a poignancy. Uh, it brings tears to my eyes because I appreciate things more. I think going back to with um, how we were talking about a lot of times people blame themselves for getting cancer and stuff like that. Um, I've been really struggling with a lot of stress in my life and my typical like executive function, AKA like being an adult, right? <laughs> been really struggle, like really difficult for me. Um, the things that I usually do where I think ahead and make plans and make life easier, all that kind of stuff has been really difficult. And I think um, a lot of us 
then blame ourselves for like not being like more with it, not being a better planner, not being um, a better exerciser, not being a better partner, you know, whatever it can be. But in reality, that's like our survival mode. Like my fight or flight is so high that my primal brain is like, you need to survive. And you planning this six days in advance is not important, right? Um, You going to the gym and doing structured exercise is not important. Like you sitting outside with your feet in the grass is and breathing is more important right now, right? And I think uh, sometimes we give ourselves, and I think it's another idea of Western culture that we have all this control in our lives. Um, And we do to an extent, um, I think we can be aware of our choices in some instances, but we also can't deny millions of years of evolution that has created humans as we are today. And survival is still the number one driver of our system and allowing that and, and being okay with the fact that we even though we want to do all these things, like if our nervous system is not happy with it, it's not going to happen. Um, and giving ourselves grace for that is, is important. And your situation is a good example of this circumstances don't necessarily have as much to do with it as your reaction to the circumstances and the beliefs that you have about what's happening. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Because that that was that was there before, you know that tendency of yours, mm-hmm. you know, to want to solve the problem out out into the future, and and uh, circumstances change, but that that belief, that mindset, is still there. And like, hello, now you get to decide what to do with that. Yeah, yeah. One thing I read recently, I've been reading that book called "You Are the Placebo." by Joe Dispenza. Oh, oh, I like that guy. Yeah. I, I felt like he he um, ex- suggested this model of how to discover how you come up with why you've made certain choices or the behaviors that you've made um, or like what the like why you live in this reality and I thought it was a good exercise to kind of go like pick that one of those choices and then go back and see so it starts like it starts as um past memories create attitudes which are like he describes as short-term thoughts um and feelings experienced over and over and over and then he says then you have a string of attitudes together create a belief which is a more like attitudes are more short-term thoughts and then a belief is a more elongated state of being of multiple attitudes together. And then that becomes, that starts to get integrated into your subconscious, the beliefs. And then you add a bunch of beliefs together and that creates a perception. And then a perception determines your choices, behaviors, the relationships you choose and the realities you create. So I feel like it sometimes could be a good exercise to be like, okay, this is how I'm showing up today. 
and can we like backtrack it to a certain, I guess it's backtracked it to a certain past memory is the initial thing. Yeah. And like, the longer we live, it's like the more memories we create, the more beliefs that get ingrained. Um, it's just a start to like, try to understand why we live this our way and to then have more of a choice of like, well, maybe I don't necessarily like this or it's not creating the life. I'm not, I don't feel good about this. So like go back and, and figure out why. Yeah. How did I get here? Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the thing about exercise and what we should do for exercise as a mindset. Um, when I was growing up, there was Jack LaLanne. Did I tell the Jack? Jack I feel like I say things a couple times. Jack LaLanne was this guy. He had an exercise show. He was so un- considered so unusual. He had his own show and he, um, the, I don't know if he's still alive. I haven't heard that he passed away, but every decade he would do a more amazing thing. Like he swam pulling seven boats when he was 70 or something like that. Um, he's <laughs> got to be well into his nineties now, but he, he was unusual because people didn't exercise like that. Mm-hmm. They, they did yard work, you know, that was, it wasn't thought to exercise and, um, now it seems like, every, am I wrong, but it seems like everybody's expected to exercise. So you're either doing what you should right now, or you're not doing it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> definitely. Yeah, definitely. There's some shaming around if you don't exercise and you're doing it wrong. <laughs> and what does exercise look like? Right. Like, yeah. I, yeah. I, again, it's like that western culture thinking of there's only one way to do it and and it has to be this way and it's it's amazing how collectively we all have this same and I'm gonna cuss here bullshit right like we <laughs> all collectively have this same belief system that's not it's like under the surface right it's not like our day-to-day it's not, probably not directly affecting our day-to-day lives but you know we're all taught like in this same thing that you're not good enough you have to change your body constantly like men have to look a certain way women have to look another way and if you don't do this this and this in this exact order in this exact way like you're a failure and it's and so then now we're suggesting to patients like we need to exercise. So I've kind of stopped using the word exercise because it can be triggering to people. It can put a bad taste in people's mouth. And I'm trying to use like, let's celebrate our body. Let's move our body. Like let's do something different because you're coming to me with concerns that you're not happy with. And if we, we can't do the same thing over and over again, expecting different results, so <laughs> let's just try something different. Let's not call it exercise. Let's just change up a routine and see what happens. And that might mean moving our body in a different way. Um, And it's just, it is amazing how we all just are like, I feel like this is conveyor belt. (laughs) Like maybe I'm like in a more radical way of thinking right now because my life is like so 
I thought I had stress before. Now it's like even, even more. And you're like, and I'm going to like now just uproot the entire system and just say F it. Right. So, um, it's just, it's fascinating. So fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like that. I like the idea of using, because right. Exercise doesn't have to look like going to the gym and lifting weights. Um, but I think that is a lot of people's perception, or they need to go run a mile or, but yeah, like Sarah was saying earlier, it can just be getting up and dancing or yeah. gardening or going for a walk or like, I don't know. It just look is going to look different for every person and that's okay. I actually tried to research what is the least amount of exercise a person could do because, you know, some people are just not interested yeah. and mm-hmm. One one piece of research showed that if people got up and walked five minutes, they reduced their risk of mortality. So just five minutes of walking. And then there was one that was done, reported in the New York Times, a research study, like what is the least amount of uh, inter- high intensity training someone would need to do where you work hard and then rest the high intensity training model. And they, it was two minutes a day. And to get a change to it. And it didn't have to be all at once. <laughs> I read that. I did that for a while. It was like, there was some model of you just, I would get on my exercise bike and cycle as fast as I could for 30 seconds and then rest. And I would do that like three times. It was something like that, that I remember that, that research and thinking that's all it took to even take, make uh, changes in your, in your blood and like your um, insulin, you know, yeah. resistance. So So it's go ahead and carry your groceries in, you know, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, chase after your kid a little. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I recently had somebody through the clinic where, because moving was so painful, they got a, one of those lift chairs that help them lift, sit to stand, a bed that lifted, help them lift. Um, Like, they weren't using any of their muscles at all, even in the regular daily activities. And just that sit to stand, you know, do three of them and then go. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. And I guess our role is just helping people brainstorm, like what feels good and yeah. what is available, what doesn't cause you more pain. What... But this, you know, yeah. the belief or the mindset that it has to be in special clothes at a special place and you got to, you know, mm-hmm. break a sweat. and uh, You know, what's um, is um, I've been like looking into more um, about like fat phobia and how like we were all in, again fed BS about like if you are a certain weight or whatever, then you're an inherently unhealthy. And if you are another certain weight then you're like inherently like healthy and how we're finding research that that's not the case and like yes there's like a certain trend that we can all agree on um but realistically like if you're overweight and have good biomarkers you're going to be healthier than a skinny person who has diabetes or or is metabolically not doing well right mm-hmm. and um And so I recently, like a lot of times, unfortunately, and I am not, I would not consider myself a bigger body person, um, despite being told what I was my entire life. But 
people who are truly bigger bodied, um, how they like are told constantly to go to the gym, like to work out and to lose weight. But then people then have a backlash of like Nike or other stores, like showing models who are bigger and, or having mannequins that are bigger, um, that are showing that they have bigger sizes for people. And people are and people are upset because that's glorifying fat people. And we're like, wait, wait, wait. Like, <laughs> if you're wanting this bigger body person to work out, they need workout clothes. So, or something that feels comfortable to them, and they deserve to feel comfortable and not have to wear jeans or like whatever, because that's the only thing that fits them. Or like pajama pants. Like, if they want to wear the cute leggings, they should be able to wear cute leggings. Um, so it just like, so you shame them for like, for having the bigger body that they have and tell them that they need to change it. But when they are actively changing it in workout clothes and showcasing it, you tell them that we're glorifying people who are larger body. And I just like this, no one can win. No No, one can win at that point. Um, yeah, this goes to show how heavily beliefs and mind systems are just in our culture as a whole. (laughs) <laughs> yeah so that makes it an even more cha- even more challenging to m- change your own belief if culture is like there in your face and now i think it's even harder because of social media like everyone thinks they're a sorry i'm like a charge this morning I'm like, I'm <laughs> <laughs> like, people just think they're always like an effing like expert on everything you you can also look at somebody or something that maybe you doesn't feel like it it kind of changes your mindset or it challenges your mindset you don't have to say anything right you can just live Mm -hmm. your life and let them live their life and you're okay right like Mm -hmm. it'd be Mm -hmm. one thing if this person is actively harming you okay if they're actively harming you on purpose you we need to have a conversation but if you don't even know their name they're living another life. They're here literally a thousand miles away on social media. You could just take it in, learn something. If you still can't find a common ground, then don't follow them. <laughs> like, um, I just I just find it so interesting that we all have to have this like constant opinion thrown out there um, when it really isn't going to affect you day to day, right? You know, what is the underlying mindset that drives that? Because I do remember a time in my life where I had to come to terms with that too. I felt like everything I saw, say I was watching the news, I had to have an opinion about everything they reported on. Mm-hmm. And at some point I realized, you know what? I, I don't need to have an opinion on that. It's and not- I have had the same thing too. I think that's why, and maybe even recently for myself, I've been having coming to terms, you know, a come to Jesus moment, you know, with, <laughs> with that same thing because I do realize how stressed I can get with having opinions constantly on everything and wanting to be right right and in reality it makes my life more stressful (laughs) yeah yeah I was um, thinking of a movie. It's called Making a Friend at the End of the World, I think. It's got Steve Carell is in it and Kieran Knightley, I believe. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you've seen this, but anyway, they it's another one of these movies where they discover that a meteor is going to hit the earth and destroy the earth. So everybody knows that the world's coming to an end. 
<clears throat> and then you see all these different reactions to the world coming to an end. So I think that's an example of what we, what the mindset of the world's coming to the end and, and then what it, <laughs> it created from everything from hedonism to, you know, people coming to Jesus and, um, everything in between. Wow. It's just, a good metaphor because ultimately everyone is going to die, but yeah, like, I guess it's different when you know the exact date. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the, it was, so that's an, you know, and a microcosm example of a belief that creates a reaction. I loved the thing that you sh said, Shona, that you <clears throat> laid out. Uh, from Dispenza, you know, to what, and I think it's important that we become aware of the things that are creating <clears throat> our reactions. And what do we believe? Like each of those groups, what did they believe about the world coming to the end that made them choose the action that they did? Right. Did you guys see that story about, um, it was like a, a right wing guy. He was, uh, oh, I'm going to butcher the story, but he was um, a leader of like a white supremacist group. And then he, he did psilocybin as a treatment. And then afterwards mm -hmm. he was like, he totally changed his beliefs and said, like, I was wrong. This is wrong. And he, um, is now against white supremacy. And I think, I mean, that's just one method. I think psychedelics is like a, a um, sometimes for people works where it just kind of bam, like hits them in the head and it makes you look at your life and look at your choices and take that step back um, and realize why you believe certain things. And then that ultimately gives you the choice to then change your beliefs. Um, I just thought that was one kind of extreme example mm -hmm. of a change in belief and that's just one method to do it. There's other right. methods like meditation and yoga or therapy or, um, all the things. So I don't know. I was just a yeah. cool story to come across. Yeah. No, it is a, it is a great example of that. However you get there, whatever, that examining one's belief and and I guess in 2007 I thought I came to that with working with patients is to see how beliefs were deri driving their choices um, driving my own choices and that if I if I was going to survive a situation, I needed to change my beliefs. They were limiting my possibilities. Uh -huh. um, so I like to use the example of the, <clears throat> you know, the molecule with the electrons, right? And the different orbitals and that, you know, our, a belief creates a certain orbital. This mindset creates an orbital and we, if we want to shift to the next orbital, you, you, you have to, you have to shift to get perspective on your problem. And you need to put some energy into this so that you can shift into 
a new perspective. I There was a quote, you can't solve a problem at the level it was created at. I don't know who actually said that, but you, you got to make that shift and step back and be able to see what do I, what's driving my actions. Yeah. Is and it to make correct? that change can be really challenging because you might be fighting against like really ingrained family patterns. Um, mm-hmm. It's going to affect your relationships and the people around you. And it can be so much safer to just keep on going the way you've been going. And it can be really risky, <laughs> it, like, risky in a sense of losing relationships and like changing your life. It's scary. <laughs> I think I shared that one book with you that we have at the clinic. It was like emotional freedom technique. And she identifies nine thought patterns that are, typically create, um, you know, stagnation or stuckness in a problem. And they were so you, you would counteract it by saying, I deeply and completely accept myself, even with all my problems and limitations. And there, one of them was, I deeply and completely accept myself, even if it isn't good for me to get over this problem, even if it isn't good for others for me to get over this problem, even if it isn't safe for me to get over this problem, even if it isn't safe for others for me to get over this problem. Wow. Yeah, wow. so those yeah. those ones about the others, like we want to fit into our uh, our family units and our our tribes, and then if I need to make a choice for myself that goes against the the group, that's like back to survival. Yeah, because <laughs> as kids, you just are trying to survive and be loved by the group, and then as we become adults, that's when we start to realize these patterns that might not serve us anymore. But these people are still important to us and our tribe is still important to us. And then we just have to make that choice. Mm-hmm. Of, do we stay in these models or do we want to change? And it's okay either way. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But I think mm-hmm. like those mantras that you're saying, Sarah, too, it, it seems if you do want to change, it just takes kind of repeating those things to yourself over and over and over and over until it gets ingrained until your life starts to reflect those new thoughts. I think it it does start as thoughts and then it starts as, and then feeling those thoughts. That was another thing in this book. It was like, it's not only just um, the thoughts that like intellectually it's then you have to put an emotion. um, You have to like feel it. um, And that's like feel that you've already accomplished that thing that you want to accomplish, feel the joy, feel the, um, and gratitude specifically came up of feeling grateful. It's almost like visualizing the outcome and feeling grateful and joy that you've arrived here. And then eventually your brain, you just, you do get there. Um, cause you're changing your brain, you're changing the hormones in your body. Um, and then one day you're there. Were you going to say something, Chrissy? No. 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 Um, That feeling in your body, I think, uh, emphasize that. Mm -hmm. that, Mm -hmm. I think that's a way to start changing what we've 
what beliefs are driving us is by recognizing how they feel in our body. Yeah. It reminds me of like being an athlete and I did this a lot in pole vault was visualizing. And before every jump, I would visualize um, me executing it perfectly. And I think I did feel like joy. I felt like, oh yes, just like beautiful. (laughs) Um, I don't think I really knew what I was doing. Somebody just told me to do that. I think a very mindful coach. (laughs) And looking back, I think, Oh, wow. That was such a nice practice. Um, some, and I wouldn't always hit it perfectly, but I think it did make a difference. Um, I think that should be our next topic because, um, I really struggle with the feeling part. I intellectualize mm. my feelings really well, but the feeling part is really difficult. And I think it would be nice to yeah. we're all navigating that. I watched the movie women talking And it's based on a true story. I think it's said in Bosnia that, but it happens around the world um, where this uh, colony of like Mennonites, where the women were being abused, they were being tranquilized using cow um, tranquilizer. And then they would just wake up, you know, bloodied and um, bruised. And the men would tell them they were possessed by the devil or, um, they were crazy. And then one time, um, one of the women woke up while the abuse was happening. So they knew what was happening and the men were arrested. The men, all the men were taken in for questioning. And then the women, the movie starts there where the women are discussing what should they do. Uh, but there's this line that it's like, ah, I, I want to go back and, and listen to it where the, uh, the, the, person narrating describes what it is like um, to have your whole life suffered abuse and to not even know what it is to be in your body like that and I mean I don't even know that there needs to be severe abuse yeah um, to not know what it is to live in your body <laughs> because I don't think we have a culture that promotes it we don't spend a lot of time outside everything's intellectual uh, the um sorry i gotta run Got gordy toddler handover <laughs> <laughs> okay thanks Shona. we'll see ya thank you um so that anyway that um we might be seeking something that we we don't even know what it is or how to get there for sure yeah um i said the the implied beliefs about health handout that i made i had things um here um like cultural belief the that body mind and spirit are separate Mm. maybe that kind of fits here too um and in my opinion, the healing model was body, mind, and spirit are unified and inseparable in this life. I think um, that's kind of where Christianity probably comes in and how, like, how, I mean, the idea of Christianity was a big driver of of this country and in Western society as a whole in some capacity. 
and how I think it's ironic, like, that, you know, there's the Holy Trinity, which is kind of like mind, body, and spirit, right? Um, and yet, like, that's only for God or Jesus. And to think that it's not capable of all of us, right? I've been, like, reading a lot of, and again, that's where that separatism is, like, individuality, the the whole underlying thing that we talked a lot about today. and. And, um, I, and for myself, I've been like exploring the idea of what being divine is as myself. Right. And Mm -hmm. I hear people talk about how like, we're all sacred, we're all divine. And yet we're like taught that we're not right. That we're sinners and that only God is and the Holy Trinity are divine. And, and, um, you're already born a a heathen right like that's like what they're told like what you're told from from the christian faith for a long time and um mm-hmm. um i do think that that's definitely uh a, once we realize that all three of those things need to come together even in ourselves then and believe it then we can be stuck i think challenging my mindsets has been a hallmark of my adult life yeah. and there's a book called the original blessing because i was very dogmatic in my religious thinking and i really bought it of course right? that's yeah. what and it makes it easier to comprehend everything like i mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so in the original blessing the, the man who wrote it he was a catholic uh, a matthew fox um he was a, a priest and he was a you know, researcher in theology. So he had access to some of the texts that others did not within the Catholic church. And uh, he realized that we were a blessing and that there's a tradition in the church of we are the original blessing, not the original sin. And um, in fact, um, uh, Ratzinger, who later became the Pope, at the time, he was in charge of some department where he shut down Matthew Fox and said, you're not allowed to talk publicly for a year. At the end of that year, uh, Fox said, as I was saying, and he continued and he was he was excommunicated. And uh, and anyway, he has this book and, and he can show in it the the historical trajectory of we are a blessing. Uh, but there's a mindset that we were raised with that we are original sin. We're corrupted, you know, and, and, and look at what it shapes in us and what, what will it make for us when we live knowing that, that we're a blessing, that this is a miracle. Yeah. I've been seeing a lot of people talk about um, the contradiction of God and what humans have um, interpreted God as and how, you know, every pregnancy is a blessing, but once you get out of the womb, like you're a sinner, right? And you're like, wait, like, so me passing through into the, from the spirit world to the, the physical world and just existing, um, I have an uphill battle to climb. Like, um, it is an interesting mindset. Um, 
And I think that's why I've strayed away from Christianity because it just doesn't make sense to me. Like I just existing, I'm a problem and I don't want to be around something like that. And I also understand like there are churches out there and Christians that are out there that don't have that mindset and they truly look at the historical texts and they look at, they understand um, that the Bible was created, was cherry picked. Right. Um, And that there are books out there, um, people who were writing books to put into the Bible that weren't chosen and um, to create this um, because the people in power chose, that's what they chose. Right. And so, um, so there are people out there who follow the, the history of Christianity and and show and show what they believe is like this imperfect system that is also very powerful and they believe in it and I can respect that a lot um, for those people that have that faith um, and so uh, but not everyone has that um, critical thinking skill um, so or access to that knowledge yeah. like you said that person well, had access because he was in he was in academic settings, so he could see those texts and and mindset. Yeah, yeah. And uh, this whole shelf over here is all the religious stuff I did. I looked to and I realized, man, maybe the mindsets I had about religion and faith and what's true, oh, maybe I need to look at it. Somebody had said to me once, Christians are ignorant of their own history. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I found the most amazing things the the history of the female mystics mm-hmm. and the the Beguines, Teresa of Avila, um, Hildegard von Bingen, the, like amazing stories of women and how they experienced um, God, and uh, they were their stories are kind of pushed aside because, frankly, a lot of them are are sexual. Uh, uh, wording and um, yeah it 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 was very eye-opening for me and good for me it I don't think it 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 uh, you know um, my, my son went to Seattle Pacific University which is a Christian university and they had a course there that you actually de everybody had to go to it. You deconstruct your faith from what you were told growing up, and then you had to come to what do you truly believe? Oh, that's amazing. Yes. And um you know, my my daughter-in-law has a degree in theology from that university, and she took me to school one day with her. It was just eye-opening, amazing education. I, I wish um, everybody would have a chance to study their religion to those kind of levels. Wow. Um, maybe it would be a different world because a lot of us are basing our mindsets on very childish perceptions. Um, and that's where you see the kind of the, the crazy hypocrisies, like we value, uh, an unborn fetus, but we don't value the mother carrying the fetus. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and there, and that's one of many, right? Um, but I love the fact that at a Christian university, 
that they are holding space for that um, because they believe in in Christianity so much and the true meaning of Christianity and what Jesus did and all of that, that they know that we can deconstruct some of the the things that you're thinking. And we know that you're still going to come back because if you look at truly what the mission is, it, it sounds great. You know, it is really great. Um, it's just when people's interpretation kind of starts muddling, you know, muddying the water. Um, mm-hmm. really yeah. Well, there's even more that can be said on this. I'm, uh, but maybe we can save it for next time. And I also like the other topic that you said. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think our next topic is a continuation of this into how do we combine the the mind, body, and spirit together to create mindset, you know, or change or mm-hmm. whatever we want to do. I actually, I just, I'm sending you and Shona the, the handout that I made because I just realized there's like five beliefs on there that we could dive into oh, cool. that are all around health. Um, so, okay. Okay. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our group tends to have these fantastic discussions, and we always ask ourselves why we haven't recorded any of them. And now, here we are. If you are interested in more content, we'll be releasing new episodes every other Monday. You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by searching Therapy Solutions PLLC. That PLLC is super important. This is the Rehab Within Reach podcast, where all are encouraged to experience wholeness and independence. See you soon.